0: If that's your thing, then that's for you. I invite you to listen as we begin in verse seventeen and continue through verse. Grain and these ten loaves, and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also, take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See how your brothers fare, and bring some token from them. Now, Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, took the provisions, and went as Jesse had commanded him. He came to the encampment as an army was going forth to the battle line, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle against army against army. David left the things. In charge of the keeper of the baggage, ran to his ranks, went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard them. All the Israelites, when they saw the man, fled from him and were very much afraid. The Israelites said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. The king will greatly enrich the man who kills him and will give him his daughter and make his family free in Israel. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Here we are again talking about the giants in our lives. We've talked about the giant of fear and we know how big that can be and how it can keep us from abundant life. And we've talked about the the giant of rejection and we talked about how that that can keep us from being who God wants us to be and having a fruitful life for him. Today we are talking about a giant that is a little bit sneakier, a a little bit more crafty. One that is so subtle that it may not be something you think of as a giant at all. The giant of comfort. You might think, how in the world can comfort be a giant? How can comfort stand in the way of God's best for me? Is comfort really a problem at all? And the answer to that question would be twofold. It it would be um, not necessarily... Uh, And the other part is it could be Uh, comfort doesn't necessarily have to be a problem because it's a natural part of life. It's something that we desire. We we need it. We need comfort. And God loves to provide comfort. And the greatest example I can think of of our need for comfort and God's desire to give comfort is our favorite. One of our favorite psalms, the 23rd Psalm. Raise your hand if you like the 23rd Psalm. We all like the 23rd Psalm. So since you raised your hand that you like it, then you are going to help me by responding back, okay? I'm going to ask you to respond as we think about the good shepherd and how the good shepherd comforts us, the sheep. Uh, the, The Lord provides for our needs. And we know that because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. Yes, provides for our needs. The Lord provides rest when we are weary. He maketh me to lie down. In green pastures, yes. The Lord provides water when I'm thirsty. He leadeth me beside the still. The Lord provides food when we're hungry. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of. And the Lord provides healing when we are sick and injured. Thou anointest my head with. The Lord provides protection from evil. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they they comfort me, you see. And then even at the end of our lives, we have assurance and hope for the future. Because surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell where? In the house of the Lord forever. So our desire for comfort and God's desire to bless us and give us comfort is well noted in the relationship of the good shepherd and the sheep. God also provides comfort when we are grieving and when we are hurting. Um, We see in Paul's letter to 2 Corinthians 1, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, we read this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, And the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation that we might be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God's plan for us is for us to be comforted. God's plan for us is to be able to pass that along because no one can comfort you any more than someone who's walked in no shoes. We can provide that comfort to to others as God provided it to us, it's a natural part of life. So how can it be that comfort is a Goliath? How can it be that comfort hinders us? Here's how. Here's how it can be. Comfort becomes a problem and even a giant when our desire for comfort or the avoidance of discomfort becomes elevated to the position of idolatry, to the to the point that we we worship. We long after comfort more than anything else. Comfort becomes a giant when we choose comfort over God's calling. God, see, this is a big truth that we have to get across to our hearts this morning. God has not called us to comfort. He has called us to a mission. Not to comfort, but to a mission. And what is the mission? It is the mission that we all share as Christians, as a church and and we know it by now. It's been given to us. We talk about it all the time. It's on our, our mission statement. It's, it's everywhere we look. It it stems out of it, grows out of two commandments that are so powerful in the New Testament and the Gospels that Jesus said they are so powerful that they are preceded by the words, the great. The great commandment. Matthew 22, a lawyer came up and said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Love God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as yourself. The great commandment. And then just before Jesus ascended into heaven in Matthew 28, he called his disciples together and he said, all authority has been given unto me and in heaven and on earth. And therefore now go Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The great commandment, love God and love neighbor. The great commission, go into all the world and make disciples. Both of those, our mission, both of those are set up in such a way that it pulls us out of our comfort zone. You see? The mission has nothing to do with whether or not I'm comfortable. And you say, well, I can be comfortable with the, with the great commandment, love God. Well, okay, if we, if we only go that far, I can be comfortable with that. But how about love God with all of our heart and soul and mind? That just pulled me out of my comfort zone because I don't know if I can do that or not. That stretches me beyond what I think I'm capable. And this one, love my neighbor as myself. That means I have to love everybody that God sends across my path. Have you seen some of the people that God sends across my path? That pulls me out of my comfort zone, y'all. Some people are not easy to love. But it's not about my comfort. It's about God's mission. And the great commission to go into all all the world and and make disciples and baptize them and teach them. Well, I have a problem with the first word. Jesus said, go. Go. And I say, okay, hold on right there, Jesus, because I'm not sure I want to go. I, pretty, I like staying right now. I'm pretty comfortable right here. So sometimes just the word go pulls me out of my comfort zone. And go where, Jesus? Go to all nations. Really? All of them? Go to all nations? You see, our mission is always going to pull us to uncomfortable places and difficult people. And things that make us squirm. But it's the mission. It's the mission. The mission, you see, requires that we walk by faith. We know that. It requires that we walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Walking by faith is inherently uncomfortable. Because we like to see. We We want to know what lies ahead. We want to see where our next step is going to take us. I've confessed to you before, and I want to tell you I confess it again. I am prone to want to control, and to manage, and to know, and to plan for all the possibilities, and to be the backseat driver. Isn't that right, sweetie? To be the side, she's, side seat driver, whatever. I want to. I want to know, right? I want to manage the outcomes. But that isn't what God wants me to do. God wants me to trust and to walk by faith. And faith means trusting even when you can't see the outcome, taking the step when, even when you don't know where the step's going to land. Faith, according to Hebrews eleven one, is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. Hebrews chapter 11 is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible because it lists several, several people in the Bible who lived by faith. Who lived by faith even when they couldn't see. I could I could mention them all. I'm just going to mention Abraham and Sarah though. Verse 8 of Hebrews 11 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. I want you to let your imagination go with me to the land of Ur. You are Ur. Abraham and Sarah lived there along with their family and their livestock and every all the whole kit and caboodle. And I want you to imagine how comfortable it was in Ur for them. They've been there for a long time, generations. And I want you to imagine that they were at this stage in their life. Let's just, they, let's just say they had a three-bedroom, two-bath brick ranch house, and they they had just gotten the mortgage paid off. Abraham is, y'all smile, I'm just, I'm I'm bringing you, use your imagination. They just got the mortgage paid off. Abraham is 75, Sarah is 65. She's just got on Medicare, so things are pretty sweet right now. They're at this age, they're golden years, right? They're golden years. And then God comes in and he upsets the apple cart. He says to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to go to a place that I have promised you to give to you, but I'm not going to tell you where it is until you get there. You're going to have to just pick up everything, and you're just going to have to trust me step by step, God um, says to Abraham. You have to trust me, and on on top of that, you're going to be the father of many nations. I know, Abraham, I know. I know you and Sarah don't have any children right now, and I know you're 75 and she's 65, but you're going to have so many offspring that are going to be like the Sand on the seashore. So let's get ready, Abraham. It's time to go. Does that make you a little uncomfortable just thinking about that? Does that make you uncomfortable thinking about Abraham going in the the tent and telling Sarah, pack up, honey? I can identify with this more than just a little bit. Um, let me tell you what happened on February the 16th of this year, Tammy and I were um, walking around in an antique store just outside of Russellville, Alabama, just milling around, looking at stuff, just enjoying ourselves. Wait, we were waiting on Michael and Allison to get done with district honor band rehearsal, just having a big time, until my phone rang, and I checked it, and it was the district superintendent, and I said, hello, and she said, are you sitting down, which is not the way you want your conversation with your district superintendent to start. And I said, should I be sitting down? And she said, well, you maybe you ought to sit down because it looks like you and Tammy are moving this year. And she said a few more things after that. To be honest with you, I don't know how much of what she said I actually heard because I was still dealing with that first initial shock. And at the end of whatever she said, she said these words, do you have any questions? Questions? All I had was questions that she just couldn't give any answers. The big question would have been where, right? Where? And so to answer that question, she said, you will find out on April. Seven weeks from now, you'll find out. So I want to confess to you, I'm a person of faith, deep, deep faith. But those seven weeks were some very uncomfortable weeks for me and for my family. I did a lot of talking to God over those seven weeks. And the conversation went something like this now God doesn't speak to me in an audible voice but he speaks to me in the stillness of my heart and the conversation went something like this God you got to help me I need to know something God you got to help me I can't stand this anymore and God said something like trust me I know I trust you God I trust you God but you know I have these control issues God and and then God said, yes, Sam, I am quite familiar with your hang-ups. But this is supposed to be a time that you grow in your faith. I know it's hard to wait. Do you know that walking by faith is difficult? It's uncomfortable. But here's the thing. Faith. soil of discomfort, because it's only in times when we have to trust God that we find out we can trust God. Our faith only grows when we have to exercise it. If we don't ever exercise it, it doesn't ever grow, and we only exercise it when we're outside of our comfort zone, not when we're in our comfort zone. The Apostle Paul writes about this progression, this growth. In Romans chapter 5, he says, We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, we rejoice in our sufferings. And I would put in parentheses our discomfort. So Paul says we rejoice in our discomfort. Why? Because we know that our suffering, our discomfort, produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. We all want to have the hope that is rock solid and doesn't disappoint us, don't we? We all want the strong, proven character that has been tried by fire that that stands the storms of time, don't we? But all of that only comes from persevering through discomfort. truth to live that when we're only only when we're out of our comfort zone do we actually grow that stepping out of our comfort zone is the moment that we step onto God's mission field survey that I, I looked at recently said the best way to jump start your spiritual life is to serve others in Jesus name in addition to worship in addition to Bible study, to actually put yourself out there. This was a survey that involved 80,000 Christians from 200 churches, and it showed that the people who, in addition to their weekly worship service like we're doing right now and in Bible study, they actually uh, were involved in serving others in Jesus' name, um, felt as if there was a catalyst in their heart, that they they're, were spiritually alive and growing. And the flip side of that is those who only went to worship and were not involved in, in bo- a small group Bible study or were not involved in stepping out and serving others that after a while they described themselves as bored, a little bit angry, and spiritually stalled. Now this isn't a surprise, is it Really? This has been this way since the church first came into existence on the day of Pentecost. And the people went out from Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the world. The church spread like wildfire. And why did it spread like wildfire? Even though the Roman uh, Empire was trying to persecute it out of existence, it spread like wildfire because people wanted to be around people who loved People wanted to be around people who cared for the sick, who cared for the poor. People wanted to be around people who started things like, did you know that Christians were the first ones to start Meals on Wheels? History tells us that in the year 250 A.D. that more than 1,500 meals a day in Rome were being served to the poor and the destitute by Christians. And the pagans would take notice and they would say, look at these people. Why are they caring for strangers? Why are they taking such care to even bury the dead? What's up with these people? So the church grew and it flourished not because they had such comfortable, well-air-conditioned cathedrals because they didn't have any back then. It flourished because people were willing to take a step out, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to care for those around them. You show me a person who is willing to take an uncomfortable step of faith, and I'll show you a person whose faith is growing. And you show me a person whose main desire in life is to avoid discomfort, to hold on to. The way it's always been. And I'll show you someone who's wasting away. Comfort can stand in our way. I want you to picture the Valley of Elah. And on one hillside, the armies of Israel are mustered for for battle. The war cry has gone out. On the other side are the Philistines. The war cry has gone out. They're there. They're ready to go. Then the giant steps out and starts saying all those things and they turn to the side and they see their tents. Those tents are pretty comfortable. And you know that that campfire over there is pretty warm. And you know that bread and that cheese that that guy David brought? It's really good. that comfort be the thing that stands in the way of us and God's best for us, then Goliath has won. And for our freedom and for God's glory, Goliath must fall. Let's pray. God, your mission is, is clear and compelling and oddly enough very little to do with my preferences it has very little to do with whether or not I'm comfortable it has everything to do with your best for me so God I ask that you would stir the nest when I need to move that you would continue to call me Forgive me for the times that I've chosen comfort over your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn today is number 467, Trust and Obey. I want to invite you. Maybe God is stirring something in your heart right now and calling you to take a step.